Welcome to Basically Tall Tales, the collaborative short story podcast featuring tales you can basically call tall. My name's Adam. I'm Todd. And I'm Jared. Each week, one of our writers will write one-third of a story before handing it off to the next writer to either continue or finish. The first writer will get to choose whatever genre they want to write in, and the other two will just have to deal with it. Today, we have a story by me, Adam, with the first part of a new story. Make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe for more stories each week because we're always writing more comedy stories and your social media interaction keeps us going. Without further ado, here we go. This story is called, You're Never Too Old to Try New Things. Toby John wobbled on the top step of an old ladder. He steadied himself by putting a hand on the wall as he stretched to reach up a little more. He tied a rag on the end of his spatula and was doing his best to knock the cobwebs out of the corners and odd places of the vaulted ceiling of his modest but annoyingly tall living room. He banged the end of the stick against the wood paneling, dust falling all around him. Some fell in his eyes and beard and open mouth. He hacked and wiped his face and tried to shield his eyes, taking his hand from the wall and nearly falling. His precariously short bathrobe shifted but never quite betrayed him. Some things have an inbuilt sense of propriety. <laughs> he righted himself, thought better of continuing, and clambered down the ladder. An old hound lay sprawled on the floor nearby, flecks of dust peppering his fur. It lays there, not seeming to notice or care. Ah... Look at you, Bobby. I told you not to sit there, and now you're dirty as old damnation. Why don't you ever listen, boy? Toby said. The hound known as Bobby gave a soft boof. The old Toby John was a knock-kneed, shaky, liver-spotted old man with a beard that would touch the floor when he squatted. He waddled his way across the living room, his long beard swaying as he did, to the kitchenette and got a clean towel. Now try not to get into any more trouble, he said, and cleaned his dog. The dog rolled over in appreciation and looked at him through bleary eyes. Toby went back to his bathroom and put the dirty towels in a metal wash bin, rummaged around under the sink, and pulled out some powdered soap and a blue crystal with a metal rod running through it. He filled the wash bin with water and soap and the dirty rags and dropped the crystal in and spoke some words of power. Alabramus conventus triviale. Nothing happened, and he tried some different words. Spin, spin, he barked. Arms crossed in frustration. Nothing happened. He cursed, and those words didn't fucking work either. <laughs> he rummaged around under the sink again and came out with a box. Irritated, he read the back of the box until he found the instructions. Spickety span, clean my pants, he said, peering at the small writing. The crystal lit up and came to life, spinning in the wash bin. Ah! Modern convenience, eh, boy? He said to his dog in the other room. I swear... Them companies come up with wackier and wackier shit every day. He finished up his chores and took himself and his dog out to the front porch to sit and get some sun. His one-story house of wood and plaster and clay, shingling, that sat sandwiched between two sleek Art Deco high-rise buildings, built so close that he had to go through his house to get to his backyard. All up and down the street, there were mixed-use buildings of various heights, but his was the only home. That's what he would say, at least. His was the last single-family home on this city block. 
Carriages levitated by crystal magic whizzed up and down the street all day. People walked to and from shops, offices, and apartments. The odd passerby would notice his house and stop to take out their crystal tablet and take a picture and then keep on walking. It was almost noon, the only time of day when his little plot of land got any direct sunlight these days. Toby John sat in his rocking chair and pulled out his pipe and some pipe weed. He took his time packing it and gazed at the vista, a bunch of blocky geometric buildings with a huge blue crystal looming off in the distance beyond them. The top edge of a wall could be seen stretching off to either side, much further in the distance. It's time for your glaucoma medication, he said to his dog, lighting his pipe up. He blew a bunch of smoke in the dog's face and the old hound sat there and panted. After a bit, the dog lied down and took a nap. Just then, he noticed two figures approaching him from the street. He squinted to see them, but he had left his glasses inside the house. They resolved into two monks in blue and white robes as they got closer. The shorter one walked with a cane and had a short cropped beard that contrasted with his bald head. The taller had his left arm in a sling and had bags under his eyes. The both of them had a crest over their left breast, a circle with a swan holding a scroll set over a rainbow. <clears throat> Good afternoon, the shorter one said. I am Brother Ash, and this is Brother Gary. We've come a long way to speak to you, sir. I hope you'll permit us to speak, for we only need a moment of your time. I'm not interested in whatever eternal salvation or some such you're peddling. I don't do donations neither. Now go on. Get. Toby said, not at all menacingly from his rocking chair. The taller one stepped forward. Please, Toby John, you're our only (laughs) hope. Please. How the fuck do you know my name? Are you two from the Revenue? You have to tell me if you are. That's entrapment, that is. Brother Ash put a hand on Brother Gary's shoulder and kept him from ascending the steps to the front porch. We have a message to deliver, brother. Peace. He turned to Toby, pulling out a scroll from somewhere within his robes. The scrolls foretell of one such as you, Mr. John. They say, when the sky turns black and the moon rises across the sun, the demon's ceiling will be undone. Night will reign forevermore, unless the brave break down its doors. One of fire, one of rain. Only the chosen one can lead the way. That's a shit rhyme. (laughs) I've heard better. Hell, back in my day... The dog farted loudly and rolled over, and it stunk of eggs and death. God damn it, Bobby. I'm sorry, the boy just ain't right. He's got glaucoma. Anyway, when I was a boy of ten, living at the orphanage that used to be down the street there... These owls would come to my window and drop off all kinds of these letters, and they had good rhymes all across them. They sure did. The monks shared a look of relief. Brother Gary said, So you opened the letters? Owl mail in the night can only mean one thing. You were a- Don't cut me off. But you're right. It meant one thing. I was annoyed. I couldn't sleep a wink. So I boarded up my windows and kept my head down. You didn't go to the Grand Academy of the Grand Wizards? Ash asked, incredulous. <laughs> the Grand what? No, I went to school. I focused on my studies. I ain't no wizard. There's no real job any respectable person would want. It's nearly time for my lie down, so get. Have a nice day. Toby tried and failed to shoo the men off. I'm afraid you must at the very least take the scroll from us. Otherwise... We cannot leave. We've come all the way from the mountains of Shalah, far beyond the wall, and its wood and fields. Well, aren't you a fun bunch? Look, you're ruining my nice afternoon. Have a good one. 
He stood to go back in the house and tried to urge Bobby back inside, but the dog had hopped off the porch and was taking interest in the scroll Brother Ash was holding. Come here, Bobby. Leave these fart sniffers alone. Brother Ash held up the scroll out of Bobby's wet, sloppy reach. The dog jumped up at the scroll and pawed at the chest of Ash's robe, smearing dirt into the fabric. Toby waddled down the stairs and tried to rein the dog in, but it wasn't much use. Bobby was one and a half times the weight of the old man. I'm sorry, he's usually not like this. Bobby, quit that. Boy, you're showing your ass worse than big old butters. <laughs> then who? Brother Ash said. Big old butters was another kid from the orphanage. He really got his ass in a bind on a camping trip we took. Oh, summer of 95, I think it was. Toby said, stroking his beard. What happened to him? Did he do something of significance? Ash said. Come on, we don't have time for stories, brother. Every moment we waste is that much more of a head start for the forces of darkness. Brother Gary said, growing more impatient. Remember what the abbot said. There are no coincidences. Meaning is everywhere, Brother Ash said. It's always Abbot this and Abbot that with you. Can you not think for yourself? Please continue, Toby John. What happened to big old butters? Well, since you asked so nice, I don't mind telling so long as you get gone at the end. Toby said, surprised at himself for having so much fun talking about old stories to someone who could actually talk back. <laughs> we were looking for a nice spot to put down the tent with the other kids, just beyond the wall in the forest. But not so far that we couldn't see the wall through the trees. And just beyond the barrier, Ash said, an excited tension in his voice. Who knows? Anyway, it was almost sundown and Butters goes over to this tree covered in mushrooms. Bad omen, that is. And he figures they'd be a right treat to eat. Well, he doesn't get so far as knocking one shroom off with a stick before this light shone in the sky and streaked down to crash in the ground right in front of me, putting a hole in the tent I had just finished setting up. I hardly see how those two things are related, Brother Gary said. What was inside your tent? Inside was a big rock. It softly glowed in the dark of the tent had a mark on it that looked suspiciously like the mark on this family crest I was left with when I was dropped off at the orphanage. Star drops are rare events. See, Gary, this is something of great import. Perhaps it can be of use on our quest. Who knows? Toby said and chugged right along with his story. <laughs> now he says so's. So's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So's. I Picked it up and chucked it in the river, I did. Washed downstream and out of sight. See? A pointless story. And what became of this butter's child? Gary said, irritated. Oh, he ate the mushrooms and shit a yellow torrent all night. That's how come he's called butters. The end. He said, self-satisfied. Maybe he should have guests more often, he thought to himself. Maybe not. All right, y'all, now all this standing is making me tired. It's clear you've got the weight of destiny on your shoulders, <laughs> chosen one, Gary said. Let me give you a hand. Gary grabbed the dog by the collar and used his one good hand to guide it back up the stairs. Sit, he said in a way that gave his voice the undertones of a deep ringing bell. It reverberated <laughs> through the garden, brushing past Toby like a gentle breeze that tussled his beard. The dog sat. Gary looked more tired somehow. How did you do that? 
Toby said. There was no crystal, no doohickeys, no gizmos, no dancing and conjuring of energies like on the daytime broadcast dramas. Brother, we are not allowed to use the power outside of the temple. The temple is sundered. Or have you forgotten? The abbot isn't here. Not anymore. And neither are his rules. There's no more time, Gary said. He grabbed the scroll from Ash and shoved it into Toby's hands. If it were up to me, I'd spirit you away with us, whether you consented or not. Alas, we don't have the strength left to do so. This is bigger than you, or me, or any social construct meant to guide everyday life. He said, shooting an angry glance at Ash. You can't deny your destiny. Open it and see. Toby slowly unfurled the scroll. It was covered in a neat script that he did not recognize, but at the center was an ink painting of him, beard, bathrobe, and knobby, wrinkly knees. He felt a gentle breeze brush past him and away, followed by the sound of a faint wind chime. He looked back up and the monks were gone. There was a bit of paper with a magic circle on it where they had stood. He scratched his head and chose to leave it there. Better to keep your head down and all that. He rolled the scroll back up, stuffed it in his mailbox on the porch, and went inside the house, taking Bobby with him. Bobby sat stock still near the door for the rest of the day, and all through the night, it unnerved Toby. He changed out of his daytime bathrobe into his nighttime one, closed the wooden shutters over his windows, which drowned his house in darkness. He kept it clean, and he knew the way back to his bed. So long as he didn't trip over Bobby, he carefully walked to the bedroom and climbed into the bed. Morning came, and Toby got out of bed with all the care of old age. He went to the window and opened the shutters. It was still dark out from what he could see. It was still dark out from what he could see. A faint amount of light coalesced the shadows in his living room into familiar shapes of the couch and the table and Bobby still sitting by the door. You ain't right, Bobby. And neither am I, apparently. Look at me getting up before the sun again. He said, massaging a stiff spot in his back. He opened the front door to check the mail and froze at the sight. The sky was the blackest he'd ever seen in his long life. Not a single star twinkled where it should have been. The sun was a dim ring of light tinged with red, with something black or otherwise unknowable and unseeable blocking most of it from view. The only real light illuminating the features of the city block was the faint blue glow of the giant crystal of the city center, several blocks away. In the stark darkness, the crystal seemed to tower over everything around it. A blue light came forth from it, creating a dome that stretched to cover the sky over the city, ending at the great wall that encircled it. Something wailed an inhuman screech that got Toby's bowels going better than any prune juice. <laughs> Just then, a crack formed across the surface of the crystal. Toby regained his composure and hastily grabbed whatever was in the mailbox. Fake news, he said, turning to go back in the house and slammed the door shut. The end. <laughs> uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> what? Very, um... What's weird, though, is I think you've never played a Final Fantasy game, have you? Uh, I played Final Fantasy twelve when I was, like, 12. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I've never uh, played has, Final like, Fantasy game. That might be what you're thinking. It has modern uh, Final Fantasy vibes to it, yeah. like, throw in crystals and magic in, like, an urban setting. But, yeah. except this is, like, some NPC living in the background. <laughs> like, that gets mixed up in the story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, that is exactly it. <laughs> uh well, I like him. It's, yeah, a good setup to a story. You know, gives us yeah. plenty of room to work with moving forward, and establishes some lore for the universe. 
know. Yeah. It's always got to set up some mysteries and yeah. some bullshit. But it doesn't finish in it is people's problem, not mine. Yeah, no. And it doesn't pigeonhole us or anything like that. So it's it's good. Yeah. Were there any particular parts of the story's lore that you were excited to use in your story? Good question. Um, so I'm going to be writing part three of this story, yeah, I assume. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, doing part right. two, because... Yeah. Yeah. But, but looking at it, I think uh, I'm most excited at the um, the... It's cool how magic is a convenience. So it's it's still basically technology that everybody can use, even if they don't understand, right? You can have a cell phone yeah. and have no idea how it works. But, it's uh, yeah. Kind of a Terry Pratchett feel to that, which is, I'm always comfortable writing in that style, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yes. It's, uh, it's kind of what I was going for a little bit here. Definitely, yeah. but there's some like fantasy mountain dwelling monks come down to present him this old man <laughs> with his great destiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they and they uh, they had some some magic powers without the without the wands mm-hmm. and all the necessary doohickeys that other people who don't need to know how it works use. Yeah. So yeah, I I, get I haven't that. done yeah I haven't done a part two yet, so I'm kind of racking my brain at the moment as to what I should do. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I have I have ideas already, but some of them rely on finishing the story out, which obviously I can't do or shouldn't do. But you know, well, it's... part two of a story is going to introduce <clears throat> the. Like the main conflict, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, most likely. So, yeah. I mean, what we've got to work with, we've got a dark lord who's yeah. arising, oh, yeah. and and we've got uh, a magic the school, fallen priesthood, and the yeah, magic school, the... <clears throat> as yeah, well as that's the right. magic for convenience. <laughs> yeah, the monks seem pretty chill, yeah. except for the fact that they said that they're their freaking monastery was destroyed. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> and they just seemed like in a hurry to leave. They're like, look, we can't leave unless we deliver this well, message. Where are they going I mean, back to? I got Good question. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I got <You> some <laughs> serious Diablo stay a while and listen vibes from your voice, Todd. So, I, like, you I know can, what? That should have been the voice those... direction. <laughs> I can see those monks, like, just wanting to get out of there because they don't <laughs> want to get stuck in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Stay a while like, and listen, listen. <laughs> my friend Butters, who shit himself, <laughs> and gave me this cube filled I with think it diarrhea. Might be shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try mixing some other shit in it. Oh. That that just made more shit. My hands are covered. <laughs> it's just what I need for my soup, though. Yeah. <laughs> so he's uh, got some aptitude. He tried to he tried to use some magic words. Yeah. So yeah, he's a little yeah. bit familiar with the magic. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Who no, knows? there's plenty of places to take it. I'm just yeah. looking forward to writing a part two, you know? It's... Yeah, and you guys know from my story that I, I hate ending any freaking plot line. So <laughs> oh, this will yeah. be... This will be interesting for me to try to <laughs> yeah, try to yeah this try and killing end everyone. Yeah. Well, you could <laughs> just kill everyone, you know. But the, the yeah, Dark Lord I'm wins. Totally the, the old man yeah. just dies on his way there, and yeah. the whole, the whole <laughs> story was pointless because the, the Dark Lord just takes over. <laughs> it's yep. an allegory. For I his, keep wanting for, to say the Dark Lord he death, but <laughs> the Dark Lord. <laughs> Our Dark story. Lord didn't have a name. No. Did he? You know nope. what? I think it's Butters. <laughs> Ooh. I think it's Butters. <laughs> Magic diarrhea gave him superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, that is what I was wondering because he he mentioned uh, he mentioned his friend Butters from camp, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then old Ash was instantly like, "No, hold on, hold on. I gotta hear about. I gotta hear about this guy Butters." <laughs> yeah, but like, Ash. Just there's no. There are no like coincidences. <laughs> he does. Yeah, Ash is very much like one of those. He's one of big those, old dummies. Yeah, I imagine one yeah. of those people that actually believe in religion. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. he, he mentioned coincidences. So yeah. something about either the name Butters or just something about showing one's ass something about that he's like oh that that sounds familiar <laughs> yeah so who knows it's that'll be that'll be up to jared yes and you all know that i'm gonna pervert it as much as i can so <laughs> <laughs> i refuse so get ready to follow any to meet any expectations exactly <laughs> expectations are meant to be subverted yeah. <laughs> very reasonable dark lord yeah very reasonable points <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> the religion is the bad guy <laughs> i just pounded on my yeah. desk <laughs> i don't know how how much of a subversion that is no anymore. no it's not at all but yeah. at least i don't think so but there are plenty of people who do. And the I Dark intend... Lord Obama's trying to give us health care. <laughs> I intend to drive <laughs> that kind of person away from our podcast as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and all these old men Oh God, no, not health care. That's how else am I supposed to die? <laughs> that might leave me with some money to give to my children. He might have had a family at one point. His house <clears throat> could house yeah. a family, he mentioned. A skeleton, so. yeah. A skeleton family. Oh, God. This is <laughs> a skeleton of his dead wife this... in the bed. Adam, what have you done? <laughs> his family's all dead, and they're still in their beds. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, That's boy. why he sits on the porch and can't stand it. the stink. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why his dog's his... got glaucoma. Yeah. No, he... he... Deliberately took a particularly gassy dog so that he didn't have to smell his rotting family. He oh, just boy. smelled the dog's farts. <laughs> yep. 
You smell that corpse stink. No, that's that's dog part. <laughs> that's dog part. I promise. Don't look natural and healthy. Uh, it's great to hear what the story's not going to be next time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this wonderful tale, this tall tale. And uh, don't forget to like, comment, uh, and subscribe and follow and hit the notification bell. Um, and if you're listening on iTunes, rate and review. Yeah, thanks for staying a while. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.